Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And so when the Lord said, forgive as we forgive, he was teaching us to say to God, Lord, look at me right now. Look at me. Look at me. And please do the same thing that I'm doing right now. I need forgiveness from you. And so I'm going to take this person who has offended me. He's offended me the most. And I'm, and, and just watch me, Lord. Just watch me as I wholly forgive him. Now I want you to do the same thing to me. I, I want you to do the same thing as I forgive the person who's offended me. See, people say this. They say, you need to forgive. You know why? Because bitterness is destroying you. It's a, I mean, and, and while that's true, that's not the most important reason to forgive. The most important question about forgiveness is not, do I want to be destroyed by bitterness? That's not it. The most important question about forgiveness is, do I want to be forgiven by God? That's the most important question. The most important issue for forgiveness is not how much bitterness is robbing me of strength and joy and peace and imprisoning me. And that's, that's secondary. But the most important issue with not forgiving others is that God will not forgive us. Bitterness blocks our forgiveness from God. Bitterness blocks our relationship with God. Bitterness robs us of life from God. And Jacob's been bitter at Laban for every one of those 5,110 days that made up those 14 years. 5,110 days, Jacob has been eaten away by the cancer of bitterness. 5,110 days, Jacob has been blocked from a relationship with God. Five, Jacob has wasted 5,110 days of his life because bitterness has blocked him from God. And secondarily, he has lost 5,110 days of strength and peace and joy, all because Jacob has not forgiven Laban. See, instead of forgiving Laban, Jacob has for 5,110 days looked forward to the day when he can, he can tell Laban off. Okay? And in this verse 26, that day has come. Here it is. It's finally here. And he gets right in Laban's face and to do, as Jacob says in verse 26, give me my wives and my children for whom I have served thee and let me go. Now, apart from Jacob finally being able to say to Laban, I quit, which is what he did. When we look at verse 26, it's actually very sad because it's so sad to see this poor man, Jacob, having to ask his employer for his wives and his children. I hope I'm not like that. <laughs> in fact, in fact, the truth is that Jacob 
asks Laban, he's asking Laban for his wives and his children. You know why he's doing that? Because he's actually thinking. Laban, if Laban could have it his way, Laban would take Jacob's wives and children and send Jacob away empty with no wives, no children, no possessions. That's what's in Jacob's mind. Jacob feels that after 14 years of hard labor, that Laban would like to send Jacob away the same way that Jacob was 14 years earlier when he walked in to Laban's house with nothing. Where did this feeling come from? I mean, what's the matter with Jacob? Why is he thinking this way? I mean, where did Jacob ever get the idea that Laban saw Jacob's wives and children as Laban's property? Where did Jacob come up with this? I mean, how did, how did Jacob come to this conclusion that Laban would like to send Jacob away as he came with nothing, no wives, no children? I mean, what reason did Jacob have to feel that Laban would do this to Jacob? I mean, there must have been some words. Maybe some words that Laban said that indicated to Jacob, you know what? He wants to send me away without my wives and my children. He wants to send me away empty. I mean, maybe there was something that Jacob said around the dinner table one night that just alerted Jacob, like, what? What did he say? Whoa. I, I, I think he wants to send me away. I think he wants to take my wives and children. I think he sees them as his property. Jacob was 100% correct in his suspicion. That's exactly how Laban viewed Jacob's wives and children, as his property. And in the next chapter, Laban is going to come right out when provoked and say it. He's going to say what Jacob has been suspicious of, that Jacob's wives and his children are Laban's property in Genesis 31:43. And Laban answered and said unto Jacob, these daughters are my daughters, and these children are my children, Genesis 31:43. So Jacob knows that Laban sees everything that Jacob has, his wives, his children, as belonging to Laban. He sees them as Laban's position. That's why in verse 26, Jacob says, give me my wives and my children. See, Jacob knows Laban will not easily give Jacob his wives and his children. So then Jacob then brings arguments to Laban in verse 26. Uh, He says, for whom I have served thee, Give me my wives and my children. I serve thee for them. And again, for thou knowest my service that I have done thee. See, he's trying to remind Laban of the deal. Now, this is unbelievable that Laban would see everything that Jacob has, including his wives and his children, as belonging to Laban. And Jacob is greatly disadvantaged in this situation. He's he's disadvantaged in this deal. Have you ever been in a situation like that? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Tim laughs. He's been there a lot of times, right? So you ever been in a situation where you felt absolutely helpless under a tyrant? Yeah, that's Jacob's situation here. I mean, Jacob looked around and he says, is there no one to stop this man? Is there no one to see how wrong this is and to stop Laban? I mean, he looks around and he says, J- Jacob looks around and says, where's my help? Where's my help? Does, does anyone who can help care about what Laban is doing to me? Does anyone who can help see what Laban is doing to me? Now, it's that last question. Does anyone who can help see what Laban is doing to me that God steps in in the next chapter and he answers it? And God says in Genesis 31, 12, I have seen 
all that Laban doeth unto thee. That was a great assurance for Jacob in Genesis 31, 12, when God said, I'm, I've, seen, I've seen it all. When you were out there saying, does anybody see? God said, yes, I see. Jacob says, does anyone who can help see what Laban is doing to me? God replies in Genesis 31, 12, I have seen all that Laban doeth unto thee. And, and that verse, it just removes the terror and the fear in our lives of what others may do to us. That's why I don't like to watch most movies, because movies are a depiction of reality. And most movies are not built on Genesis 31, 12, I have seen all that Laban doeth unto thee. And the farther that a culture roams away from God, the more the movies of that culture will get away from Genesis 31, 12, I have seen that all that Laban doeth unto thee. In 1966, when I was 15 years old, I went to Europe, and I, and I went to go to school in, in Switzerland. Great honor. My parents couldn't stand me any longer. Anyway, and all I'd ever seen were American movies. And I watched a lot of you know, stuff on television, movies, and I was just used to the typical American movie, you know, in the end, the bad guys lose, the good guys win, you know, happily ever after type American movies. Because America had not drifted that far from God, and American movies still had the concept of Genesis 31, 12, I have seen all that Laban doeth unto thee. But when I got to Europe, and I started to watch French movies, because there was French part of Switzerland, so all our movies came from France, I was shocked, because in the end, the bad guys won, <laughs> and the good guys lost. Or because of existentialism, because it wasn't that far off the heels of World War II, which was the birth of existentialism, because of existentialism had swept across, especially France, most movies, French movies, they just stopped, and they left you hanging. <laughs> you didn't know who won, you know. Looks like no meaning, nonsense. See? Because France had drifted farther from God than America, and French movies had no concept of Genesis 31, 12, I have seen all that Laban doeth unto thee. All right? If I don't get this right, I won't be able to say a word. <laughs> And in 1965, the general consensus in America was, there is God. But in 1965, the general consensus in Europe was, there is no God. See? Now, in verse 27, we have Jacob and Laban in the boxing ring, and they're circling each other. Jacob has just accused Laban of not being willing to let Jacob have his wives and his children, and now it's Laban's turn. And Laban takes his turn in verse 27, and he says, I pray thee, if I found favor in thine eyes, tarry. Now we can just hear what Jacob's thinking. He's saying, oh, brother, I can't believe I'm hearing this. I can't believe I'm hearing, I pray thee, if I have found favor in thine eyes, Terry, if I find favor in their eyes, is he serious? <laughs> he's just cheated me out of years of hard labor for him, and he thinks that he's found favor in my eyes? I mean, Laban, hey, Laban, you could have done a better job of the snake in the Garden of Eden. <laughs> Here's Mr. Deceiver. You're better. So when Jacob says in verse 26, give me my wives and my children for whom I have served thee, and then in verse 26, for thou knowest my service which I have done thee, especially that part, when Jacob said, for thou knowest my service 
that I have done thee, we can feel how much Jacob doesn't trust Laban at all, especially as an employer. There's a phrase that Jacob used twice to accuse Laban when Jacob was describing Laban as an employee, employer. See, Jacob, he first used this phrase to accuse Laban in the next chapter when he's describing to his wives, Laban's daughter, just what kind of a person Laban is. And then later, he uses this phrase to say it right to Laban's face. Anybody know what the phrase is? Okay, no guess, okay. First, he uses this phrase to describe Laban to his daughters, Genesis 31, 7. Your father hath deceived me and changed my wages 10 times, but God suffered him not to hurt me. Then he uses that same phrase to Laban's face in Genesis 31, 41, when he says, thus have I been 20 years in thy house. I have served thee 14 years for thy two daughters and six years for thy cattle, and thou hast changed my wages 10 times. What's the phrase? That's it. Changed my wages 10 times. I love the way the Middle Eastern people just make the point, you know. Now, what, what did Jacob accuse uh, Laban of doing here? Changing my wages. Yeah, 10 times, yeah. I mean, Jacob has accused him of changing his wages 10 times. What did he mean by that? What did, what did Jacob mean when he said that he changed his wages 10 times? How did Laban change Jacob's wages 10 times? Yeah? Okay, that's one, yeah. But the, but the key one, Yeah? Yeah, it says, we made a deal. <laughs> we made a deal. Seven years for Rachel. You changed it to 14 years for Rachel. And I get nothing. See, the last seven years should have been Jacob working for wealth to provide for his family like he needs animals, you know, herds, flocks. I mean, he's really, Jacob's really burned up over this. I mean, so, the most significant word that Jacob has used in an accusation against Laban is the word changed. Jacob has accused Laban of changing midstream. You changed the terms of the agreement. You're not living up to what you agreed to. Now, why did Laban change Jacob's wages? Because of Laban, that's the character he is. He's a character. And see, it kind of comes out in verse 27 when he says, I have learned by experience that the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake. It's that one little word, me. See, me. See, I'm interested in the blessing for me. I want you to stay because you're going to benefit me. See, when Laban said that he wanted Jacob to stay because the Lord blessed Jacob, that showed Laban has no desire to benefit Jacob, only to benefit Laban. Laban has no desire to benefit his daughters and his grandchildren, only to benefit Laban. And to benefit Laban, Laban changed the terms of the agreement with Jacob. See, there's a great value in not changing today. There's a great value in not changing by declaring bankruptcy in order to get out of an agreement that you made. That's not making money by the laws of the land, as someone has said recently. See, Clint lost money on a house he sold, and he's still making payments on it today because Clint decided not to change and get out of an agreement he made. When Clint decided not to change, that hurt Clint, but Clint decided not to change. And God describes the person who is going to abide with him in his tabernacle, who's going to dwell with God in God's hill in Psalm 15, 1, where he says, the question is asked, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Question. 
And who shall dwell in thy holy hill? Question, verse 2. He that walketh uprightly, worketh righteousness, speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh a reproach against his neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person is contemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. See, when Clint made an agreement to borrow that money for the house, and it turned out to be for his hurt, Clint changed not. When Laban made an agreement to give Rachel for seven years of labor there, Laban felt it's for my own hurt because I can get more work from Jacob. So he changed. Laban changed. Laban made his decision to change because Laban wanted to please himself, which is exactly the opposite of what the Lord Jesus Christ did in Romans 15.3. For even Christ pleased not himself, as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach me fell on me. See, the Lord said about himself in Matthew twenty twenty eight, for even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And because the Lord Jesus did not please himself, we're called to not please ourselves in Romans 15, 1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Laban delighted to do his own will. But the Lord did not say, I delight to do my will. He didn't say that in Psalm 40, verse 8. He said, I delight to do thy will. O my God, thy law is within my heart. See, Laban's meat was to do his own will and to finish the work that Laban wanted to finish. But the Lord did not say, my meat is to do my own will. To the contrary, in John 4, 34, it says, Jesus saith unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. See, sometimes, and you've been in this situation too, you know, where you've planned, I've planned to get something done, and I'm really looking forward to it, and it's really what I want to do. And the phone rings, and it's a lost Jewish person. And I know I need to stop right now, spend one to two hours on the phone with that person right then. And in that, that moment, I mean, I think to myself, but I was doing something else. I'm trying to finish that. But God's will is that I talk on the phone. So is my meat to do my own will and to finish the work that I want to do, or is my meat to do the will of him that sent me, and to, which is to the Jewish people, and to finish that work? See, the Lord said in John 4, 34, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. And the end of his days on earth, that was so much his focus that when he gave his final report in John 17, 4, which is what John 17, 4 is, he said, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. That's a great way for us to finish each day, to be able to look back on the day and say those words of John 17, 4, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. We can't finish the work that God, uh, that we can't finish the work that God gives us to do until we find it, until we recognize it, until we give ourselves to it, until that's true in our lives. We have to find the work of God in order to finish it, and then we have to pursue it. And so he says in John 8, 29, I do always those things that please myself. No, I do always those things that please him. In John 6, 38, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. In John 5, 30, I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. In Luke twenty two forty two, 42, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. In John 18, 11, the cup 
which my Father hath given me, shall I not drink it? And finally, Philippians 2.8, he became obedient, obedient unto death. Obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Laban's meat was to do the will of Laban and to finish Laban's work. Laban changed because Laban loved himself, which is seen when Laban, in verse 27, when he said, the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake. That Laban loved himself makes Laban an example of the kind of person that are described as going to grow more and more in the days we're living in in 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3, 1 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, meaning out of control, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. See, lovers of their own selves. Romans 15, 1 again. We then, that are strong, ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not please ourselves. Even as Christ pleased not himself, Romans 15, 3. That 2 Corinthians 5.15, that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. 1 Corinthians 6.19, what? Know you not that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have, you have, which you have of God, and you are not your own? Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. Christ liveth in me. Covetous. In Luke 12, 15, he said unto them, Take heed, beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. And I read that verse, that verse and that phrase that reminds me, my father's friend, who was an engineer, and he, I don't even know what he invented, but he invented something that went on to spacecraft and made a lot of money. And we went over to his house, 10,000 square foot house in Bel Air, very poor area of Los Angeles. <laughs> And in the 1970s, my wife, Cheryl, and I, we spent the night at the house. We couldn't wait to get out of that house. There just was no evidence in that house of any interest in God. It was a great abundance of things, but you didn't feel there was life. It was kind of sad, actually, because his little daughter, he built this, this super jacuzzi, the, the, the jets and everything. Well, it also had a super suction at the bottom and pulled his daughter down and killed her. But it was like staying in a dormitory, a hotel. It was cold as ice. So the Lord says, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry. Boasters, Psalm 49, 6, they that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches. Pride, Proverbs 6, 16, these six things that the Lord had, gave seven are abomination to him, a proud look. 1 Peter 5, 5. Likewise, you younger, submit to yourselves the older. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. Be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Covenant breakers, Romans 1, 31. Without understanding, covenant breakers. He says, for thou knowest my service, which I have done thee. See, Jacob is figuring that Laban wants to change again. And he's reminding him, a deal's a deal. And so he says, my service which I've done. In other words, Jacob got nothing for the last seven years. And Jacob's saying the last seven years, Laban has made it so that Jacob got nothing and he wants to leave. He wants to cut his losses and leave.
another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program, has created the Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's a King James Study and Reference Bible with over 2,200 total pages, 13 and a half point large font, and has over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It has Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament and over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes daily bread reading notations, a tour of the Bible scripture journey, 12 custom-made full-color maps, and a full-color nine-page History of Israel timeline map. Not to mention incredible concordance and the most popular Bible scripture references section, Bible reference help section, and hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor to grow your friendship with God. It's printed on Finland thin paper printing technology and covered in a black lambskin leather cover with gold lettering. To order your Friendship with God study and reference Bible, go to our homepage on friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org.